Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Jacob Eiley, and I help businesses connect with top tech freelance talent. And today, I am your host. We'll be diving today into some fascinating topics. We've got an excellent uh, panel of tech experts today. Very lucky for you guys to be listening into this one today. We'll be listening. We'll be talking and uh, and really delving into how to innovate using something that is a commodity and making it unique. Um, we'll showcase, you know, the world of innovation, the evolution of payments, uh, to the intricacies of uh, team dynamics. Uh, we have a fascinating discussion lined up for you today. And um, I'll start by going around the room, getting everybody to sort of introduce themselves, the companies they work for, and maybe share an interesting fact about them so you guys get to know our panel. And then we'll kick things off and, and, and start diving into uh, the questions that I have for you all, and, and, and we'll get it going that way. So um, why don't we start with you, Alexander? Sure. So uh, I'm Alex. I've been working with the, in the payment industry for the last seven years, currently working as a senior product manager at Worldline, a payment orchestration, more specifically. And some interesting facts about me, I'm very into bodybuilding right now. That's my kind of trying to get that working. Wow, that's, that's, that's really fantastic. It's, uh, it's good to hear a fellow gym goer in the call. Uh, Saman, uh, how about yourself? Good evening, gentlemen. Nice to meet you in the lovely, lovely cold weather. So basically, uh, I'm Simon Simran, allocating in Stockholm. Um, basically, originally I'm from the southern part of India, where this is not the, uh, it's a completely opposite of our place because uh, southern part is so super, super warm in compared to Stockholm, where we are living. Um, I've been in Stockholm for 10, 11 years now. I'm into the product uh, management and now um, I'm looking on working for the pro- telco product uh, product management team, uh, company name called Enjoys. So I'm working for the for the main mainly to creating the product uh, innovations and uh, making the customer success in our product. Fantastic! Thank you very much for that, Suman. I wish I was from as part of a country as you. Uh, here in England, it is cold and rainy most of the time, so uh, I'm very jealous of that. What about yourself, Gilan? Hi, everyone. So, Guillermo here. So, I'm CEO at Beatly. We are influencer marketing platform slash agency from Sweden. We are based in Stockholm and Gothenburg. I'm myself based in Gothenburg, so in the west coast of Sweden. It's also cold here. <laughs> it's, I'm native from Brazil, so I know exactly what you mean, Suma. Uh, but yes, so I'm very excited to talk here today. Bring a little bit of this side of marketing and innovation and this all this discussion about how to reshape something that already ex- exists into something new, I think would be very exciting and, and a lot of things happening in this era for the future. So glad to join. Fantastic. Thank you, Gilham. And uh, again, another another nice hot country that I'm very jealous of. And uh, I look forward to hearing your take on sort of the innovation and, and, and everything that you do and your company around that. And then finally, uh, Saurabh, uh, why don't you introduce yourself as well? Hi, I'm Saurabh. Uh, based out of Stockholm. Uh, I'm Chief Product Officer at Hive Streaming. We are into uh, video optimization and analytics space. Uh, I've been working in the area of AI for a few years now. Uh, 25 years in the industry, uh, last two decades, uh, different form and shapes of product management. I love product management, that's my passion. 
Interestingly, my first product back in 99 was in relation to internet payment systems and mobile commerce platform. So payment systems is still close to heart. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So I guess we can we can kick things off. Um, let's journey through the evolution of payments to start with. Alexander, why can't uh, why don't you share your insights into how to, uh, how uh, you know payments is traditionally seen as a commodity, and how yourself in Worldline and, and payments in general has uh, has transformed over the years? Yeah, so I mean. Payments necessarily by itself hasn't been seen as a commodity, but if you look at it through the means of making payments, uh, like doing cash payments, doing card payments, so from a very complex thing as, you know, always having to have cash on your hands to evolving to have a credit card that you could use also with like manual means in the beginning, but also to to the actual terminals coming in place. Now we have wallets, digital wallets in place in almost all countries where you can make direct payments uh, to the open banking as well, that you can also make direct payments using your bank account online. Uh, but also how that is affecting, you know, the payment companies, because that is also becoming a commodity. You see more and more payment companies, you see Adyen, you see Worldline, PayPal, you know, whatever. Like, how can you differentiate that when something is being seen more, more and more as a commodity? And I think the answer to that is, you know, looking at it from a user perspective, trying to solve the user problems when you're really getting close and local in local markets, really giving the customer their needs. That's where you kind of can get the unique edge and kind of climb over that kind of commodity aspect. And I think. Traditionally, if you look at it from cash payments to also having virtual payments and blockchains and artificial intelligence now that can help you solve fraud issues and etc., it's all about making it simpler for the user. So we always have to look look from it from a from my perspective to my merchants, but also helping them helping their their clients. So always looking at the client, client, client. So we always solve all the needs, not just like at one of the needs. I think that's the kind of way to go at it fantastic yeah and, and obviously you mentioned there you know um you work very closely with user experience and, and, and making sort of payments accessible to everybody um why don't you talk us a little bit through you know what your process is with that and and and, and how you sort of make yourself unique in a market which is very overpopulated, well, not overpopulated, but a market Almost. which is extremely, extremely dominated by by the big players. You mentioned PayPal and Klarna before. So, what sort of user um, experience, like knowledge, have you gained that you've been able to utilize to to differentiate yourself amongst the crowd? Mm. Yeah, I think it's that aspect that you really need to look at it from first your your closest client and their need. And who are they trying to solve? What's the end purpose? 
because some some might miss that part like you only look at solving the client needs direct but you're kind of missing what they are trying to achieve with the product that you're building for them so really understanding and grasping that part is is key uh, to building a good product but also listen to your customers listen to what they say when you develop something for them when you tailor something for them you always need to reiterate and listen show them what you're building be open-minded like it's it's always like hard to hear hear someone say that this is not what they expected but learn from that and build upon that. And that's how you build a great product. Fantastic. Yeah. Can and, and I, and I go comment on. one thing on this point, uh, Alexa? Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that when we are tailoring the uh, user needs and the user specific to, to in order to update with the multiple clients and clients' needs and yes. their, their expectations, uh, I strongly believe based on based on my expertise, uh, something that we also may, need to make need to make sure to provide the more quality stuff. You know, like whether we are they are delivering uh, one stuff today or two 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 stuff tomorrow, it doesn't matter. And how the frequency also doesn't matter. We can deliver today, we can deliver it quarterly. It doesn't matter based on the organization and the product uh, product fitness. Uh, but at the same time. Tailoring the user needs and providing these solutions with a more quality manner, which makes our more our product more success and commodity in these industries, uh, in my view. Yeah. yeah. If I if I may comment to that also, it's like a, it, it's a very fascinating discussion when it comes to that part of uh, you know like when you're talking about customer needs. Like I in my previous experience, not directly now in Bitly, but uh, in my previous experience, I was working in the auto industry and in innovation and it's it's always like what is the real need right like uh, you know like the, uh, maybe you're familiar with that quote from Henry Ford about like if you ask customers right what they want they will have faster horses that's probably what so how do you know that what your customer need is when you're making your process right now is not actually horses but actually you know what I mean like you want to actually the real need there is actually moving from A to B uh, exactly. But sometimes customers they don't really they don't even know that it's possible in other different ways. So I think also it's very important as an innovator to to always have this filter out. It's yeah. like okay, from this vector, from the perspective, this is how much they know. This is what they think they need there, but then you interpret that into you know you make a leap into what the final real the core need here behind all of that. Exactly, and that's tying again to like what issue are they trying to solve with the product they need from us? Yeah. Right? And it's so common to to ignore that. And I still yeah, yeah, sorry. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. I think it all comes back to what is the underserved need of the customer we are trying to solve. Because sometimes we we hear a customer talking about something, but we really have to listen in in what the pain point is and try to uh, bring forward a solution which is true to the customer outcome. And that what it makes a difference. And that's where I think in my world. It separates being a commodity and a very innovative product. It solves that as a need. How do you guys have any technique to to to? Sorry, now maybe I'm jumping into different area. <laughs> it's just like I can see that you all are in this area, and I'm fascinated to try to understand like how do you how do you map what is like you know you were in an interview, you're asking your customers, your customers saying stuff. How is there any framework or anything that you do that just you, you you kind of okay from that I will actually translate that into that core need here. There are actually a few frameworks that we use, but I think most of the time it's uh, taking in inputs from multiple sources. Uh, 
doing the quantitative analysis, like reaching out to multiple customers, and then they're doing the qualitative part, which is having that in-depth discussion with the customer. Also, one of the tricks, if I may call it a trick we have used is we ask the question back to the customer uh, about all these things, what is one really core feature or functionality which would make a difference for you? And that helps the customer getting thinking, okay, if I have to choose one, what would that be? And that helps us to like go into the next level of discussion and find find that underserved need of the customer. Yeah, and it's it's really actually quite interesting, you know, establishing the customer need, but also being able to um, understand and, and, and innovate to sort of predict a customer's future need before you've even established that. I mean, Alex, how 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 do you sort of go about that at the moment, replying to current customer needs, but also sort of predicting the future and being able to use innovation to um, create a, a, an already um, problem solved before the problem even occurs? Yeah, exactly. And I think that also goes, again, trying to see where customers are going, where are people going, where are the trends going in the markets, trying to look at where are also more hungry startups going with their products, seeing what, like, when you meet them at bigger kind of events or stuff, what what do you see that they're like, how do they draw public to their stance? And also looking at trends in different markets. So it's a bit of a, you have to have your scale to weigh it out, right? So you cannot just do do it by one thing. You need to see all the kind of different activities in the market, but also looking at your competitors and the upcoming competitors before they are actual competitors, right? Because when they are competitors, they have almost outrun you in one area, right? So trying to see that before it happens. So uh, like building a very good usable tool, for example, because you will always have something in your you know, back office or your tool that you're building or whatever feature you have, trying to make sure that your features are up to date and that they are meeting the current current day and age, that they aren't left behind. Like it looks like it's from the nineties because that's one thing that you know people won't use. People are there are younger people in the market, more you know, they are more willing to use things that look good. If something looks bad, they're not as keen on using it, making it, you know, also removing complexity from systems, making it more user friendly, not always having, you know, interfaces with codes and stuff, more having actual user user experiences that are, you know, allowing them to understand what they're doing instead of having something that's already complex. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for, for that, Alex. And um, it's, it was really interesting, you know, finding out, you know, I mean, I mean, we kind of dove into the payment side of it, but also we looked at it from more of a holistic view. And, and thank you, everybody else, for sort of sharing your insights into that. I guess we could sort of move from, you know, the evolution of payments and, and we can set the stage for our exploration into strategic decision making. Now, that leads us nicely onto, you know, sort of Saman, your question. And, and we're curious about finding, you know, the, the, the right balance between core and custom solutions. You know, how does one navigate like, these complex decisions? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that's correct. Uh, we are working for the product, uh, the, the telecom, uh, Teleco BSS product. Uh, basically, we do have uh, two type of products uh, within our organizations, uh, which is mainly to providing the solutions for the wholesale uh, mobile operators 
and then retail mobile mobile operators where the, the in short what does the bss product does is something like it can manage the product customer management and so then auto management and then uh, the product management so these are the 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 the, the four process the different type of processes can be defined in these uh, in the bss vertical uh, uh, so how we are uh, providing our solutions of course we are taking the customer need into more more and more uh, uh considerable manner and also like uh, focusing on the their needs um but when we are when we are expanding our business to the different regions of the customers across the worldwide with respect to the both uh, wholesale as well as the retail products it's always every time is a challenge to fulfill the customers uh, customer specific needs meaning that uh, we are all working for the product centric based where we need to provide one product which can try to fit in for everyone's need you know but of course it cannot be fit in for everyone's region so for uh, for example the middle east can fit in for something but then uh, the 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 america and uh, and the south africa doesn't fit something so it, it's it's always challenge right it's a different ways of uh, complaints different ways of expectations different ways of uh, legals and so on so i i'm i'm really we are really uh, focusing on uh, how how we can provide our product into more success manner with respect to the more product centric as well as the custom centric that's what we would like to be see it as a more uh, challenging on the regular day to day things why yeah. we are bringing this why we are facing this is um, is something that when of course we can develop the custom uh, the custom uh, user user specific user focus yes but the thing is like over the period strategically is not the right approach meaning that it can uh, it can uh, depend on the resource it can depend on the tool or it can depend on the technology or depend it, it can depend on the process where we would like to be overcome these kind of things and we wanted to make it like a more user and uh, more product centric uh, uh, product to make it like a more uh, more successful yeah yeah and and that that's really you know fascinating stuff um i don't know if any of you guys have anything to add but i guess one question i have is you mentioned at the beginning there that you know sort of half of your focus is on the 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 business to consumer uh, aspect and, and and how you sort of create solutions to the problems there but then you also have you know the business to business aspect of it and and, and pleasing that whole different segment how do you separate and how do you use innovation to sort of um you know create solutions for both simultaneously well it's a, well it's, it's a two different product we have one is the wholesale other one is the retail so the wholesale is the one which is focusing on the b2b and the b2b to c is the is a segment whereas the retail uh, retail product where other product is the one which is focusing on the b2c so that's one we are focusing on the and the other the me and no operators in, in more specific to the telecom manner. yeah and and does anyone have any sort of similar experiences or something that they would like to uh, to share with regards to you know core versus custom solutions and, and how you use them in in your own personal lives no but i can say that like from the coming from the marketing agency side i think it's it sounds very very similar to a journey that everybody who normally starts in the service side of business and transits to a product led business goes through and is a hassle <laughs> and i don't know uh, you know like there there is a thin line 
it's always difficult. I think uh, every segment, of course, I, I think your segment is way more high tech. Uh, so it's very different, but I can see the similar thread about, you know, how much customization you can really go. So it's it's basically shaping the size of your market, it feels like, right? The speed versus how much you can address in a market. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's a, at, at some point, every product team or, or founder or, yeah, strategist has to decide and figure out what's the right equation. But it's very hard to take the whole, right? To aim for both sides. So, so yeah. there is always this mix, a compromise. It feels for me. Yeah, exactly. Either customer-led or product-led, and it's a very yeah, it yeah, is it's like, a very fine fine line between, like, uh, you still want to listen to, to the customers, but you also want to have your product vision, right? So, how to how to build a product vision that the customers agrees with, kind of. Yeah, and it's it seems to me that it's so you know like it's. It's one of the hardest decisions to make because there are opportunities in both sides. Yeah, if yes. you only see the if you only see the upsides, you can never let it go. So it seems yeah. that you need to really focus into the downsides <laughs> to make yeah. that decision, right? The trade-offs rather than actually the upsides, because the upsides goes direct. Yeah. yeah the, the the main reason for the for the custom uh, custom uh, custom specific is something that they they are all seeking for the time to market. Uh, of course, uh, they are all expecting expecting the new product features or the new functionalities to be implemented in our product, let's say like in one quarter or two quarters, where we'll be busy with the other customers or other technological aspects or, or you know, like building a new innovations stuff in the product, which is already preparing the things. So by the time we cannot try to fit in this, uh, the custom centric, uh, fit into our, our ongoing activities to influence our our, I, we cannot dive it, dive it that into. So that's that's also another challenge which we have uh, right now in our products. Yeah, perfect. And, yeah. And, and and did you have anything to add there? Sorry, sir, Robert. Yeah, just to add, like uh, you know, it's uh, it goes back to what someone started off by saying, like it's a strategic choice because it's not like this is a wrong approach or that is the right approach. Like as a company, as a product, you need to decide which direction you want to take because at the end of it, it's a scale game, right? If you're going for the product, it's a scale game. If it's too much customization, there's high maintenance, but of course you are valuing valuing what the customer is asking for. So from my perspective, depends on the situation you are in, depends on the strategy you want to have. And then uh, uh, in both the approaches, uh, you cannot go half-hearted. You have to mm-hmm. like go all in and then you'll yeah, <laughs> For sure. That's, that's what our that is what our our everyday everyday uh, the requirement from the product management uh, towards the R and D and then the 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 engineering teams is always fight. Oh no, this is something that oh, this is something for the internal core and then though this doesn't fit for right now, it has to wait. So it's 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 always challenge and always fight for between this requirement to be fil- built in our product and how we are building is also the another challenge. And I guess for that, really, you've got to have, um, you know, really intelligent cross-functional teams and, and yeah. obviously within product management specifically. And, and I know that, Gilham, you sort of look at it from a more broader spectrum than just product. And you obviously uh, quite often deal with other aspects of it also. But um, for the, the other three of you, as, as well as Gilham, you know, being able to have a team beneath you that is is very open with communication and, and, and you know, like you mentioned there, they're not going to argue about what's right and what's wrong, but you can actually sort of everybody come to one conclusion. And, and that is probably one of the hardest parts about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, I mean, thank you so much for that. Excellent insights there, Saman. And, and, and you know, like as, as everybody, as we sort of navigate the balance between core and custom solutions, I guess it leads us into our next point. And, and, and Gilham, I know that you've been working on projects that, you know, heavily involve AI and, and, and content creation for advertisements. How does AI uh, play a role, you know, in, in redefining content needs for brands and for for influencers yeah, it's it's very it's it's um it's an open question that i'm i'm I, i'm afraid i will have more questions than answers uh, <laughs> at that stage but it goes very fast so probably the answer is coming maybe tomorrow or you know like the speed that things move but uh, but it's um i i think in a way i can see a common thread towards the the whole other topics that we're talking when it comes to to it's a bit about innovation and it's a bit about there is so much hype, there is so much talk about, there is this FOMO about, oh, it's going so fast and people are figuring out stuff that I don't know and etc. And you can get lost in the middle of all this noise, right? And it's a lot of distraction then because you don't know every day. It's almost like you have a backlog that's shuffling every day. So you don't know what to build, you don't know what to bet, you don't know where to go, right? So you need to establish some fundamental truths to be able to sustain a belief or, or you know, or place a bet and commit to that bet. And you need to be agile, of course, but you need to commit for a while. And so what we are seeing our side, the way we are, so we basically work with influencer marketing, there are different trends. So one of the trends is like, so you see the trends, right? So one of the trends like content creation is changing. So AI is basically a new tool that enable crazy capabilities at the fraction of the cost and time. Uh, so it, it, what it means to our business is like, okay, the, there is a pool of creators that actually maybe they can do way more so we can explore new markets, maybe or something like that. Uh, but in our case, what we're seeing is like, we are a marketplace. So then you go and look at that marketplace business model and you say like, is AI actually enhancing, changing, disrupting, or what is, what is the AI impact in my business segment? And then, and then you understand like, okay. Those are tools that are enhancing creative, is, is more like more effective tools, but the core of the business is the same, if you understand what I mean, mm-hmm. right? When, when, when horses got replaced by cars, it's still people moving from A to B, right? So when electronic cars came in, it's still just a new fuel model for people moving a car, it's still, it's still a car, right? Nowadays, you can even not know which is which. So, but when it, when those new technologies come in, it's very common for people to jump in and, and making crazy assumptions that it's like a, it's changing everything at once. AI is of course different; it's more brutal, it's faster, and etc. Uh, but it still is a new tool, it's a new technology, and the human behind all of that is still the same. So, back to the first topic we were talking: the core needs are still the same, right? So, so that's where our team is trying to find these fundamental truths where it says, okay, the core needs the same. So there's a need for content. How can AI play to help that need? And what is really the need of content? Oh, is the storytelling? This is how humans communicate. So, okay, is this changing if we have, no, since the cave time, people are drawing stuff and all people just, so that needs the same. So this will not change. That we take as a grant. And then everything surrounding that, how we, how we paint might be changing, but then so you understand where I mean, where I go is like, so this is how, this is how we start. And with this framework in, in heart, then we start ideating what can come next. 
based on these new tools, right? Mm -hmm. But the fundamental truth about the humans behind is the same. What they use content for probably is the same. And then with that, we start innovating. So that's basically where we are. That's where I say we have more questions than answers because there's still in that phase of, no, okay, no, this will, this is human. This is this. This new part is happening. Let's play around. So we're just experimenting stuff. What we're saying now is like basically uh, to be more tangible. So we are seeing like, okay, let's repurpose content. Like uh, there's so much content in social media right now, right? Yeah. And then brands, brands are having this content there. And then there is now what we call connected TV, which is like digital TV, right? But brands still like needs to go to this very big celebrity because it's TV, so it's premium. And they will pay a lot of money to make this very expensive TV ad that looks beautiful and perfect, right? But it's so perfect and so expensive that they cannot do A-B testing or the majority of it cannot do A-B testing. So it just looks and feel perfect, but they have never really been able, majority of them, to test and validate and make 10 of those videos with 10 different celebrities and kill nine of them and just use one. This will never happen because they don't have the costs, right? But AI suddenly can allow you to do those things, right? Because the cost is a fraction. The time to produce is so small. So so that's that's how we are. Just an example of how we are. It's the same need, yeah. but it's just using the tool for that. Yeah, and and like obviously AI is, is a hugely up-and-coming tool. It's crazy to think that, you know, it's only sort of coming to the forefront now, but actually people have been working on developing this stuff for for uh, decades. Um, yeah. Do any of you guys have any insights on perhaps how you use AI in your current roles? Is there a use for it? And, and, and do you use it to become more productive, become more successful? Yeah, I can start. Uh, I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, AI has been around for quite some time. I think what Chat GPT did for us was democratize it so that everyone is aware of it. And suddenly there's a boom in the industry where everyone is using it. I do believe also in future, like consciously or subconsciously, we all will be using AI and that option is going to be massive. Uh, as of now, uh, if I talk professionally, we are using AI, of course, to become more efficient. So there are different tools we are using. Uh, before this job at Ericsson, I was heavily into AI where we were solving different uh, telecom related problems for our customers where we saw the use of AI, of course, for uh, efficiency reason, but also as a necessity because the amount of data which we are processing uh, is simply mind boggling. And with different use cases coming in into the system, like we need assistance, we need assistance from AI, we need assistance from machines, and that's where we started using it. I think the uh, essence, you know, you were saying about there are more questions. Of course, there are tons of questions. One, uh, in relation to return of investment, of course. Um, so that I think we will answer with time because certain use cases will make sense. Certain use cases will just adopt because we have to use AI because it's it's kind of the in thing as well, right? So we will have to separate that going forward. Uh, but looping back into the question you asked, like uh, subconsciously, like in every tool we are using, whether it's Outlook, whether it's Gmail, whether it's, you know, our spreadsheets, AI is built in now. And mm. I, on a personal level, have started using more and more GPT functionality and it's really efficient. So mm. I'm looking forward for more and more adoption of the technology going forward. Perfect. Yeah. And, and, and... I do agree. I do yeah. agree. Uh, we we are also, um, I mean, 
I mean, consciously or unconsciously, as uh, Saurabh mentioned, that uh, uh, without even we 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 keeping quiet on our product and the community market, the customers are by themselves they are asking like what kind of AI, the tools or mechanisms or the techniques that you are using in your product. Um, you know that's what uh, that that can make our product into more success and unique manner in the industries in the in the in the market. Uh, so they they voluntarily asking what kind of the the the, the tool is used. Nowadays, as uh, Saurav mentioned, that everybody is asking, are you uh, have you been integrated with the ChatGPT? <laughs> it's like one of the, one of the fun topic that they, all the customers are asking like openly. So they believe that ChatGPT is the only uh, only the only the technology in the AI. But yes, of course, it's a part of AI. But there are several uh, technologies and uh, technology uh, technologies and tools are available in the market and the industries. And of course, that is going to be a life in our in our industries. It's it's not something like we are going to lose our manpower, but but it's also going to help our help our resource and bandwidth on on our regular day to day work to make it like a more efficient and more perfect manner. So that that's that's really essential uh, technology that we should adopt to that going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 even even myself, I tend to use ChatGPT for. You, you know, you rely on it for, for certain things, but also there are certain things where a human touch, it, it, it's so much more beneficial, especially when you're trying to, you know, we mentioned it earlier, relate to a, a, a customer audience. Sometimes using something like ChatGPT, which perhaps doesn't have the emotive capabilities, uh, it will actually lead in disaster. But Alex, you had something to say there. Sorry. No, no, just the same thing. Like it's very important. Like both using it in your day-to-day work, it, like ChatGPT gives you a lot of help, or any kind of generative AI gives you a lot of. It speeds up your kind of work, and it can help you increase your brain power, even if you use it in a very smart way. But also, how can you use that to make it easier for your customers to use your product? So. Yeah. For, mm. for us, for example, we're introducing it in, in you know documentation portals to make it more searchable. It really, kind of you know trying to to give the users or the customers something with that as well, because they, like everyone said, they are asking for it. And, and how are you using it? So giving them a real time example is always uh, you know a good thing. Yeah. There is one thing that is very interesting now, and we we're talking about like uh, content also, and and what you're saying for them, ChatGPT is like. And and this is just a guess, right? So, but but I, I've I've seen this happening in other areas in content creation. Like I've been producing music, for example, myself, uh, and similar things happen. That's like there is something about the human brain where at certain point we become aware of a content. We see it so many times that we start getting better at filtering what is true, what is not true, you know. So I have noticed that myself. If I'm reading any post on LinkedIn and I and the and the post start with emoji unleash, <laughs> the, you know this action verbs unleash on 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 yeah. There's a um, there's a lot of, of those now. Then you know you know it's ChatGPT and and there is something that happens in the brain. I think at least for myself that I start reflecting that it's like I kind of undervalue a little. I still read maybe, but you know like that's. And this is just so fast. It's just super recent. But imagine in one or two two years, it's it's a big chance that maybe there will be a better AI that we will write than different ways and etc. And then that's a different thing about generative AI, right? But there will always be some sort of I cannot say that there are always, but at least for the start, it feels that there's a lot of glitches that we're gonna still 
we are still to embark on that journey when it comes to, you know, noticing how AI actually emerge into our society and our way of living. Now everything is fun and it's fine uh, because it's new, but soon we'll be, you know, like, it's the same as if you buy a VR goggle and you try that for a month, you love it. Second month, you will start not, and then suddenly you have one use case and then it's not your use for 10 different things, right? Uh, and then it's just that one that's like, I don't know, I play, I play some games sometimes because, you know, like there is the trade-off of using that technology uh, towards the human side. So, so yeah, it's just an interesting phenomenon that I'm noticing already in our side with AI and content. Absolutely. And, and I think I think there's definitely a few LinkedIn bandits out there that, that <laughs> you know, they, 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 put, they post uh, five times a day and you're like, so where have you got this time from? And then you say, ah, I know. <laughs> and then, like you said, you know, the, the value of it depreciates and, and, and people will actually start to just skip over those posts which isn't what you want because at the end of the day, you're still putting into ChatGPT rightly a post about this that's informative and lets people know. But because it loses that human touch, it becomes almost void in a lot of people's minds. And of course, this is a LinkedIn example, but it's very relevant in, I assume, uh, content creation and, and banking and telecom. And, you know, so so, you know, like you need to be almost tread on eggshells around it sometimes and, and make sure you're being careful of um of, of what you're what you're really doing but yeah no i i, I it's really sort of fantastic um for you to have uh, been transparent with that and, and how you use that gilworm so i really appreciate it um the intersection you know of ai and content creation is truly transformative and i know like uh Sarab, you've touched upon uh, technology and, and it naturally leads us to you know perhaps the next part of our of our of our pod and in 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 your opinion Sarab, would you prefer to you know use uh, and have an innovation team integrated into regular product development or do you see the value in having you know a separate team that uses innovation or uses ai and and having like a, a specific focus team that that works solely with that? So uh, it depends on the situation. Like uh, it depends on the situation. It depends on the size of the company also. I'm a bit biased when it comes to that because right now, Hive Streaming, the company I'm working for, it's a 100-people company. Uh, innovation is one of the core values of the company we have, and it's inbuilt into each and every team and not just uh, related to the product or feature innovation that we are bringing more features forward, very innovative products forward, but also in the process, like how we can become more and more efficient every day, right? So for us, it's a wider topic rather than just a functionality thing. Uh, but then I can also relate to, for example, I come from Ericsson where it was 100,000 people company, massive customer base, very huge cost if we are not delivering something on time. Uh, so there's a constant... Uh, prioritization which is happening with respect to what customers are asking, what we have promised, uh, also technical debt, uh, also platform modernization, right? So it comes under the same filter. And then I have seen that there is a benefit to having a separate innovation team so that they can focus on that. They can adopt the new technologies. There is no legacy. Uh, make it work. Do MVPs, minimum viable products. Uh, try out with the customer base once it's successful, kind of embed into the broader team, right? So I've seen advantages and disadvantages of both the approach approaches. 
in a scale up like us for example uh innovation is also a survival right uh we have to constantly innovate in order to be ahead of our competition ahead of the big players in the market um so it's i see my preferred model is to in, have that inbuilt into the team but mm-hmm. once we grow i'm streaming it again like 10000 people company uh we have multiple products thousands of customers probably we lean back into a model where we have to create a separate group so that we don't start losing on the innovation part in favor of uh higher higher priority customer requirements yeah absolutely and and, and yeah. obviously you know having separate teams um comes with like you've mentioned benefits and advantages um how about in in your company uh, alexander have you sort of got um an innovation team separately or do you sort of rely on innovation a- a- amongst you know employees that are already embedded in the product teams it's very much within the the product teams i would say and within the the all the like all the team members are you know allowed to have any say in anything just the other week i had a call with uh, one of the engineers in one of the teams and he had a brilliant idea on how to enhance one of the product features i mean you always listen because it's whoever comes up with the idea has some kind of take on it some kind of angle on it and it's important to understand that angle because yeah it is solving some problem but then you bring a whole group and you listen and then you can solve all the angles and really make that idea even better so i think it's uh, it's not up to to me to be one one dictator to say let's go in this direction it's always important to to listen to the team and that's always the kind of approach i have regardless when i have some idea if i have some ideas then i always bring it to the team we speak about it um try to you know really narrow it down what they were trying to solve with this idea and then you know take it from there always refine on the internal feedback but also external feedback in the end mm. absolutely yeah. I, th- i think i think it's it's a really 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 important to, to focus on the process related uh, stuff as uh, saurav mentioned uh, especially when we are developing phase and when we are in the startup companies and when we are a small amount of team and the and the customers etc everything when we when we have been grown up and when we have been huge customers and huge big company then that will be like a really massive uh, work for us to you know like uh, separate and focus on the one for the innovation department one for the operations department or something whichever can fit for the organization need but it's really important as we are developing when we are stepping into the into the beginning of the stage itself we need to identify what are the areas that we need to focus on what are the innovative technologies ideas tools that we need to implement in our product in our commodity systems uh, and then we can we can we can divide into the separate team in the very beginning itself rather than being a later point of time then we can try to adopt it, uh, adapt to that uh, either to the process level or to the to the technological level or to the to the branding level or even maybe market uh, market research level wherever could be like it it will be it's really important to to implement these kind of segments and this kind of uh, separation needs to be implemented at the very beginning of the stage to make it like uh, our foundation is more stronger when we as we go along when we are growing perfect yeah and given have you got anything you you wanted to add yeah no i th- i think it's like um i i i can relate and agree with all of the aspects like uh, in my time working a big company then in innovation 
it was interesting. The way we had that changed everything was when we clearly defined horizons. So the age one, age two, age three kind of innovation. And then you had teams in each of those areas and each team could specialize in a time frame, right? So I was part of the HT team. So I was just looking things like 10 years in the future. So it's the unknown knowns uh, or unknown unknown of the innovation. And, and then the product teams, people who actually own the products, they were the one iterating, you know, the horizon one, but because they are running with the products and then it's like incremental uh, uh, changes. So I, I think it's, it's another dimension of how you split that, right? But it's also, I think it's very interesting when you, mostly now when you have so many, like mostly as we spoke about AI, like technologies that can really make a leap that you are actually exploring using your budget in those areas. Even if you are small, like in Bitly, we still try to do, we are only 15 people, but we do have one or two moonshots, as we call there, that we're slowly trying to work on them. It's just hypothesis, right? So we're just trying to verify, but it also opened up our mind a little bit. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey that you stretch to one side and you go back and you, you know, but it's nice to have a balance. So for us, it's been very good this way that uh, the product teams iterate directly into the existing customers' needs and you have one or two people who is looking to really far-fetch. Yeah. Yeah. But, if, but you can have teams do that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Jacob Byerly and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at jacob.byerly at evolution-nordics.com or visit our website at evolutionjobs.com forward slash SE. Thanks again to all our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.